the Gritty Growing Up podcast. Because mental health conversations don't have to be uncomfortable and argumentative. Gritty Growing Up is about challenging the perceptions of childhood and recognising that whilst it isn't what it used to be, we can still make it positive. Join us as we share conversations, knowledge and strategies to help your family connect and move forward together. And welcome back to Gritty Growing Up. Last week we were talking about sexual boundaries and consent and aptly on Thursday the 10th of June Ofsted released their review of sexual abuse in schools and colleges which touched on so many aspects of what we covered last week. So for those of you who aren't familiar with why the review started, last year a website containing testimonials of sexual abuse, assault, harassment, violence in schools, colleges and universities called Everyone's Invited was launched. The founder, Soma Sara, founded the site in June 2020 to highlight rape culture amongst young people. Since March 2021, over 15,000 entries detailing sexual assaults and harassment have been shared on the site, many outing the educational facilities where they were indicated which were involved. The site additionally individually names 119 universities which were involved or have had instances of sexual harassment and assault. Now, before I dive into the findings, I'll share everyone's invited explanation of rape culture. Now, rape culture is when attitudes, behaviours and beliefs in society have the effect of normalising and trivialising sexual violence. This culture includes misogyny, rape salt, jokes, sexual harassment, groping, non-consensual touching, image-based abuse, upskirting, non-consensual sharing of intimate photos and cyber flashing and sexual coercion. Now, when behaviours such as these are normalised, this can act as a gateway to more extreme acts such as sexual assault and rape. So in response to this, Ofsted released their rapid review into sexual harassment and assault in schools and colleges. The review examined 32 schools and 900 student responses alongside feedback from teachers, leaders, parents, governors and stakeholders from the schools. And the schools investigated were ones which were named on the Everyone's Invited site. The findings were by all means harrowing and if you listen to our podcast about sexual boundaries and consent we spoke about many of the concerns that we had regarding non-consensual touching, regarding boundaries, regarding consent, regarding issues that are happening in schools such as upskirting. So in a world when we have multiple platforms to educate and inform and guide, how on earth did we end up in a situation where so many young people, and it was interesting to note that 90% of the young people affected were girls, and there was also a big section of the report that actually referenced LGBTQ individuals who were being subjected to unacceptable behaviours. So how is it possible when safeguarding is the name on everyone's lips, that these issues are supposedly going unnoticed, unreported and unmanaged? Now, the police recorded that over 83,000 child sexual abuse offences, including obscene publications, occurred in the year ending March 2020, which was a 267% increase from 2013. In the past year alone, girls aged 15 and to 17 reported the highest annual rates of sexual abuse for young people and children aged 25 and younger. And in 2015, the police responded to an FOI request, so a freedom of information request, and reported that nearly 4,000 alleged physical sexual assaults and more than 600 rapes in schools have been reported in the preceding three years. So sexual assault, harassment and rape culture are all increasing. So what was found? 
The outcomes of the review, which focused on prevalence, highlighted 90% of girls and nearly 50% of boys were sent explicit videos or photos that they did not want a lot or sometimes. Online sexual abuse, such as being sent unsolicited explicit sexual material, such as nude photos, was highly prevalent. 92% of girls and 74% of boys said sexist names calling happened a lot and sometimes. Sexual harassment is commonplace. Sexualised behaviours and harassment happen so often it's normalised. Sexual violence happened at unsupervised places such as parks and parties, but unwanted touching also took place in the school corridors. It was highlighted that one girl explained it shouldn't be our responsibility to educate boys. The sharing of content such as explicit photos taken with consent or without shared on social media platforms such as WhatsApp or Snapchat were prevalent. 79% of young people aged 16 to 17 and 86% of those aged 18 and above said that rumours about sexual activity occurred a lot or sometimes between peers compared with 61% of those aged 13 to 15. Now, interesting to consider that 13 to 15 are under the age of legal sex. So in those cases, obviously, situations can be classed as statutory rape. And these are just rumours. Now, I think for any parent who has been privy to the report, it is available on the government website, so it is available for public consumption. There's obviously going to be a lot of fear happening right now. I think some people are going to be aware that this problem was already there. If you have been tuning into the Gritty Growing Up podcast and you know that we have been talking about some of these issues over the last few weeks, and it's about hangs up, what are we doing next? So what issues do you need to be aware of? The greatest issues involved included rumours about sexual activity, sexual comments and harassment, so sexual comments, remarks or jokes, online sexual harassment, physical sexual assault, being pressured to do sexual things that they do not want, unwanted touching, sexting, uh, being sent unwanted sexual pictures or videos, pressure to provide sexualised images of themselves, Pictures that are sent being shared more widely, so they might have been sent to one person but being shared maybe within friendship groups um, or online. So there was obviously an issue, particularly that we noticed in the like, after the first lockdown of Instagram accounts that were being set up that were just full of nude photos that had been sent privately, um, which had been put out for public consumption. Being photographed or videoed without consent, pictures that they were not that they were not aware had been taken being circulated. Now there has been a trend on this of upskirting. So anyone who doesn't know what upskirting is, it means taking a photo under someone's clothing, so under their skirts without their knowledge, with intent to photograph genitals to humiliate or for own sexual gratification. And the last one was about children viewing porn. Now, recognising the risks to Generation Z is perhaps more paramount than ever. We know that young people have access to phones. We know they have access to social media channels, which historically just weren't something that we even had to consider. And something that we've spoken about continually is about how we ensure as parents, as educators, as professionals, that we know what's happening. And the point I'm going to make at this point is, Yes, the schools have got a responsibility, but they are not solely responsible. So we really have to review from this point. This review has obviously been harrowing. It is really confronting. There's a lot of information that's there. But we need to consider how did we get here in the first place? So the review actually did examine why these situations are not reported. 
And the core reasons why it wasn't identified, it wasn't reported when it happened, was young people having the fear of the risk of being ostracised, the risk of peers getting into trouble and it not being deemed worth it, a fear of how adults will react, a concern that nothing will be done, feeling embarrassed or ashamed, concern about damage to their reputation, thinking that they will not be believed. It's so commonplace that there is no point. The process will be taken out of control if they tell an adult and not knowing what will happen with this information. Now, if you did tune into our podcast last week about sexual boundaries and consent, one of the greatest things that we spoke about was about open and non-judgmental conversation. And it's something that was also touched upon when we spoke about drugs a few podcasts ago, that actually we need to sometimes channel in that whilst this might absolutely terrify us, and I think for the majority of parents, for the majority of professionals working with young people, it is really scary information the statistics are really quite terrifying that we know that 90% of girls and nearly 50% of boys alone are being sent explicit material so we have to consider sometimes checking in with ourselves why is it that we find this stuff so hard and we need to also consider how would we react in these situations and how can we better prepare ourselves because the majority of adults alone have probably been sent content at some point that they found uncomfortable or wasn't what they wanted. So when that happens to a child, they need to know there's a trusted adult that they can go to with this. And it's going to be dealt with appropriately, but with some discretion, because there is that ripple effect for anything we do. And I think so many young people are concerned that if we're going and telling an adult And this is taken out of control. One of the points that the report made was, well, actually, if I tell an adult and I tell a trusted adult in school, before I know it, every adult in the school knows, every teacher in the school knows, suddenly I'm being pulled out of lessons to to, to discuss it. If I'm doing that, then I'm drawing even more attention to myself. So therefore, when there are after effects of this, it comes straight back down to that person who's reported and it doesn't take a lot to work out who it is. So I think we really need to consider... When we are presented with this information, as much as it might scare the living daylights out of us, that we actually consider our management of it. Yes, it needs to be addressed and it's serious information and it really is important that we tackle this. But in tackling it, we can make sure that we actually support that young person appropriately. Now, also did dive into some of the reasons that were given for some of these issues. Some of it discussed the standards of sex education not being positive, which was something we spoke about in last week's podcast about actually was sex education meeting the need? Was it actually relevant to where we are today in society? And was it tackling today's issues? The information on the sex education curriculum is too little too late. So if you did tune in, you would have heard that one of the comments that I made was actually that a young person that I know had said, why is it they wait until I'm 16 to tell me about all these issues when I can see them happening at 13? So it really does classify that the comments that the young people are making themselves were found in this report. The curriculum is not appropriate to support them to navigate their lives, so it's not covering all the issues that are presenting themselves. Information to manage this situation is actually more productive when it's gained from peers or social media to educate themselves. 
that some teachers underestimate the seriousness of this issue. And there was a comment that was made in the report that said that so many teachers will just laugh it off as boys will be boys. I know one of the comments that Carla made last week was this, oh, you know, boys touching you and it's inappropriate. Oh, it's because he likes you. And us minimising what's actually happening in society, what's happening to young people by our own misunderstanding our own lack of education and our own lack of knowledge about actually sexual assault and harassment some teachers were unaware of sexual harassment and sexualized language even happening and the prevalence of the issue was not estimated appropriately um however when issues were raised they had been dealt with so Ofsted did ask schools to present information and the schools where it had been raised, they were satisfied that it had been dealt with. However, in some schools, the information hadn't been raised at all. They didn't present any knowledge or understanding of these situations. Now, something we discussed last week was the impact of sex education. It's more than just understanding sex and sexual education and protection and pregnancy. It's actually, it's not just about STIs. Our priority now lies with how we educate our younger populations and our professionals working with children, as well as parents, carers and families. And it isn't an issue which is just going to go away. This actually requires us all to step up, use our platforms, use our connections and actually educate ourselves to actually go and dive into this, go and read the report, go and find out what's been happening. You can dive into our articles and I have put a written summary on there today. But with the increase of mobile phones and social media, the safeguarding risk and sexual violence risk has increased in response. And the responsibility lies with every single one of us. Just like safeguarding, it's not just the school's responsibility. It falls on wider society as well. It falls on every single individual member of the public who sees these things happening when they're out. It requires parents who hear their child commenting about these things to actually address it. It requires us to address it if we hear friends, family members making inappropriate comments, gestures, jokes, sharing inappropriate content on social media. It actually requires us all to step up and actually to stop shirking that it's someone else's job to do this. We didn't get to a point where 90% of girls were being affected by this because just the schools didn't do their jobs. The schools are trying to tackle something that is perhaps bigger than they ever realised. And I think this report really has highlighted it. The Everyone's Invited website, if you do go on there, and I will put a trigger warning here, that if you have been the victim of sexual harassment or assault, there is a lot of quite harrowing content on there. So do perhaps approach that with caution. But if it's not something that is necessarily going to cause you a trigger and you are a parent or you are a professional working in schools, I would suggest that you go and see what that platform has achieved because it really does give a good wide range and we're not just talking about state schools we're talking about all schools we're talking about private schools high caliber institutions universities that we would class as being the elite this is wide ranging it's across all social classes all social needs and across all people Now, Austin did make a number of recommendations to schools in the report, which I'm sure we will then see implemented over coming months and years. But that included to assume that sexual violence is already occurring in their schools and act accordingly. So rather than wait for a report to come in, to act like it now, to have a whole school approach to safeguarding and to put high quality training for teachers delivering sex education in place with a carefully sequenced sex education curriculum. 
and to create a non-tolerant environment of sexual harassment and online sexual abuse and to make sure that there is actually staff training on those areas and that we actually need to increase our understanding of peer-on-peer abuse. I think we always assume that it's adults and we do not realise the extent to which peer-on-peer abuse actually affects young people. Now, interestingly, um, if you do regularly go and play on the NSPCC website, it's obviously a fountain of knowledge and information on there. But the NSPCC actually have got quite a number of statistics that they've shared on their site. And it actually states that in 2019, around a third of child sexual abuse is by other children and young people. So a third. That's, and I think we can get very caught up in thinking it's less. Um, they also have another statistic in there that more than one in seven children aged 11 to 18 have been asked to send sexual messages or images of themselves, whilst one in 10 girls aged 13 or under had received a request. So again, these are big statistics. 10.5% of women and 2.6% of men said they had experienced any form of sexual assault, including indecent exposure or unwanted touching, and that was in 2019. Now, The report equally indicated some things which are really important, that these are things that all of us can put in place for young people um, to increase the likelihood of them reporting concerns. So one of them is about children having a trusting and positive relationship with an individual staff member, children being aware of previous positive experiences of school responses, teachers showing that they respect students, listen and respond, and having staff with specialist roles not linked to teaching or behaviour, so people that they can go to who are outside of their lessons. Now, that's a lot for schools and teachers to take on board. Obviously, I can imagine that a lot of them are going to be considering this, especially over the summer, how they're going to respond to this review, because this isn't something you can just put in place tomorrow. This is going to take a lot of planning and execution to get this right. However, as parents, what can we consider in our own behaviours? And I think as adults in contact with children in our families, so whether you're an aunt, an uncle, a godparent, you're a grandparent, you're a sibling, you are a parent or you're a carer, we can all play our roles in this. So we can support children and young people to understand sexual boundaries, consent and harassment. And we need to make that conversation commonplace. If you didn't hear some of the suggestions that Carla made last week, hop back and listen to our podcast on sexual boundaries and consent and look at actually some of the ways we can do that. Being aware of what children and young people are doing outside of school, so actually staying in contact with them, actually having those conversations, making it open ground that they can tell us what's happening. Teaching boundaries and consent, monitoring online usage. Now, just because we have a phone doesn't mean that we shouldn't be being checked on every now and again. And the likelihood is, if you consider that they're being sent or have been pressurised to send inappropriate content, there's going to be a lot of shame and guilt involved in these situations. So we really need to be considering how we're protecting young people. Using appropriate terminology when talking about our bodies, creating safe, non-judgmental spaces so young people can share their concerns, listening carefully and taking concerns raised by young people seriously. So we really actually, when they say this, we don't laugh it off, we don't make a joke of it. We need to be careful not to let our own discomfort get in the way and actually create these safe spaces for young people to be able to say, this is what happened to me today, or this is what's happening to my friend and I really need some help. Educating ourselves about sexual harassment, violence and assault. 
Talking to children and young people about what to do if someone touches them in a way that makes them uncomfortable, inappropriately or without their consent. If you see evidence of any online sexual abuse, report to the authorities swiftly. Now I'm going to add in there that sometimes the tendency and the instinctive response by a parent is to screenshot what they have seen and put it onto their own phones and remove it from their child's phone. Please don't. If you have evidence of it, you need to be providing that phone to the authorities and you actually passing that over to your phone is actually therefore passing inappropriate content between devices. So I'm just going to put a little bit of a warning in there that actually what we need to be considering is if it happens, we need to be actually removing that phone. Um, If it is things like Snapchat, then obviously things do disappear. So it's considering actually how our settings are set and actually some platforms if we're going to be using them at all. If we have got concerns, then we need to be reporting them to authorities and seeking advice. So you might speak to the NSPCC, you can speak to your police helplines, and you might go into the station yourself if you have immediate concerns. To correct inappropriate behaviour, so actually if we're having a barbecue and people are making derogatory or misogynistic comments, we actually need to be addressing it and saying that's not appropriate. And if they make a fuss, actually tell them why. Encourage them to come and listen to this podcast, get them to sit and read the articles, encourage them to listen and read the report, because actually this starts with us. This starts with what we're allowing in our households, what we're allowing in our social groups. And to address inappropriate behaviours, educate and respond constructively to sexualized comments. So if you hear your children calling each other really unpleasant names, actually addressing it, not letting it go equally thinking about how we all talk to each other in our households. Now, regardless of outcomes, it's everyone's responsibility to be aware of safeguarding young people. So we actually need to be considering how educated are we? How knowledgeable are we? And do you know what to do next? I think we're very aware of other things happening in wider society. We're aware of abuse and neglect and domestic violence. But I think these are things that can be happening under our own roofs and we might not even be aware And if they're not happening to our own child, they might be happening to one of their friends or someone they know. So we do need to be aware of the signs and indicators of abuse, neglect and sexual harassment. We need to be listening really carefully and taking concerns raised by our young people really seriously. Educating ourselves about sexual harassment, violence and assault. If we see any evidence, making sure that we report it to authorities quickly, the police, schools and contact the NSPCC for guidance. If you're unhappy with your school's response, then obviously do take that to the governor's and report concerns of sexual violence. If in doubt, seek advice. Now, I know this report is going to be quite terrifying for some parents. I know just looking at some of the responses that have been online over the weekend since it's been released, a lot of people are perhaps in a state of shock. Um, Some people that work with young people might not be so surprised by the findings, maybe the statistics, but knew that this was a problem that was increasing constantly. And I think never before has our responsibility been so great to improve the outcomes for our generation and for future generations. So if you want to learn more, I want to make sure that you signed up for our mail outs. And so go on to www.dandeliontraininganddevelopment.com. Sign up for our newsletter because I have got a whole range of articles and resources and ebooks coming and a course about sexual harassment and how you can support young people. And we're going to be sharing all of those over coming weeks. Until next time, thanks for listening to Gritty Growing Up and we'll be back soon with more gritty moments. Stay safe, look after yourselves.
Stay safe, keep open-minded, and we'll look forward to sharing more gritty moments with you next time. If you want to up your knowledge in the meantime, head over to www.dandeliontraininganddevelopment.com. 